speak this morning, and so have fun. Well, I, uh, I guess he's already introduced me, so I don't have to do that anymore. Is this still on? Okay, it's still good. Uh oh, I have the microphone. You guys are going to be here a little while. <laughs> um, but actually, I, I wanted to start out this morning. Um, I'm pretty excited about what we have to share with you, and I, I hope that by the time we're finished explaining everything that we want to talk about this morning, um, that you'll leave excited too. Um, and the verse that we kind of got our idea from is um, Romans 8, verse 37. And so if you have a Bible, if you want to turn with us, that's great. If not, they should be up there. Um, and it says in Romans 8, verse 37, In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And I just love that phrase, more than conquerors, that he puts in there. Now, we want to talk a little bit more about what that means, to be more than a conqueror, and how you can harness that in your, in your daily walk with God. Um, so I just want to pray before I start, because I feel like that's a good way to start. Um, so Heavenly Father, I just pray that you would, um, you would come and speak and let it be your words, and um, just open up every heart here, that they would be softened and ready to hear what your Holy Spirit has to speak to them this morning as we delve in deeper about um, being more than conquerors and harnessing the power of the Holy Spirit that you have put inside of us. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. So I'm going to backtrack a little bit here and talk about something else that I get excited about. And I was wondering, um, have you guys ever wondered what it would be like to be a superhero? Maybe that's just me. <laughs> Thanks to my older brother, I got pretty into the superhero movies, and you know they did the, the many remakes of Spider-Man and Superman and Batman, and now they've even come out with a million other ones, and you know the Avengers are the latest big thing. Um, even some kids, you know, will put the cape on and pretend. But uh, it's, it's, I just found it so fascinating why we have such this such this draw to um, this higher power, this superpower, and I was like, why is that? And see, there's this natural draw to a greater power above the human norm that we see in these superheroes. And I wanted to discuss with you today how we can have that in our lives, how God has given us a power in our lives that we can be spiritual superheroes in our own way um, as we can, we can be the more than conquerors that God called us to be in Jesus' name. And we know what that looks like when we look at the life that Jesus led. Um, he's our example. He always has been our example. And if we look at his life through the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, there's thousands of examples of how he led a life that not just conquered life, he conquered death too, right? Amen? And he even goes one step further in John 21, verse 25, says, Jesus also did many other things, and if they were all written down, I suppose the whole world could not contain the books that would be written. That's how many amazing works that he did when he conquered life through the power of his father. He ruled over opposition and adversity, and he walked in the authority that he knew he had in his father. And so that's how we could see the, miracle, the miracles that he did through healing the blind, making the lame walk, and, and then raising people from the dead, walking on the water just because he could, and then raising himself from the dead. And now that sounds to me like someone who's more than a conqueror. And now Jesus, who walked out this amazing life, remember all of those things that I listed, plus some that couldn't even be written in the Bible. There's just too much. He takes this 
promise to us in John 14, verse 12. He said, I tell you the truth. Anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I'm going to be with my Father. Those are Jesus' words. That's a promise to you and to me that when we walk in that life with Jesus, that we can grab a hold of that power, that we can do greater works. Just think again. Think again of all the things that he did. Raising people from the dead. Bringing sight back. He calls us to do greater works than that. In Jesus' name. So he doesn't just say the pastors that believe. He doesn't just say the apostles who believe. He doesn't just say great theologians who believe. He says anyone who believes. So that is a promise for anyone who believes. And to believe takes faith, right? And he says in James 2 verse 17 that faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So that's part of why a lot of, a lot of us don't see all those greater works around us nowadays. We don't see very many people getting raised from the dead or blind being restored, except for my handy-dandy glasses. And uh, it's, we need a faith that is alive and not dead. We need to be walking in the authority that we have in Jesus' name. And we need to be harnessing the power of the Holy Spirit that, that to live the life that we have been called to and chosen to, to live. He even says in John 15, he chose and appointed you to go and bear fruit. So you can't stand here and say that you weren't called to live that life because he chose and appointed you to live in a life that does greater works than these. I find that exciting. And now, I want to encourage you because we're not called to do this in our own strength. Even Jesus said in John 5, 19, as he carried out all of, all of his great works, very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the father doing. Because whatever the father does, the son also does. So Jesus knew the authority that he had in Jesus, but he also, in God, but he also aligned himself like James was talking about. He aligned himself with his father and with the will of his father. He knew that he needed to be looking to his father for what he wanted to be done. Because through that authority, once you can walk in that authority, knowing that you are aligned properly, then you can go and do those great works that God is calling and appointing you to do. Amen. And see, he also sends us this helper. He says that because I'm going to be with my father, that you can do these greater works. Well, because he went to go be with his father, he sent the Holy Spirit to be inside of us, right? And that, that enables us. In fact, this is how powerful the Holy Spirit is that's inside of you. In Romans 8 verse 11, he says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. How exciting is that? Think of that for a sec. The Spirit of God who raised Christ from the dead lives in you. Amen? I find that exciting because that means that it's not us doing it in our own power anymore. It's now the Holy Spirit and the anointing of the Father doing it through us in that power that raised Christ from the dead. I mean, who needs superheroes? Move over, Superman. We've got the Spirit-filled Christians here. Amen? That's awesome. But there's something very different between us and superheroes. I will say that. See, the villains that we see on the big screen aren't exactly the same as the ones that we fight in our everyday battles. We see 
physical things all around us. We interpret our life through what we see and what's around us, what we can touch, and that's what we call real. But today I want you to see that there's a much more real world around us, and it's the spiritual world that we're living in, and it's the spiritual world that we need to fight these battles to become more than conquerors. In Ephesians 6 verse 12, it says, For we do not fight against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. See, this is what Jesus understood as well. Not just the authority of God, not just walking in alignment with him, but also seeing the world for what it is through the eyes of the Spirit, seeing the spiritual world around that needs to be conquered, seeing what's going on in your life, not just for the physical things, but for the spiritual things that are within that, and making sure that we are conquering not just the physical, but the spiritual. Because when we conquer the spiritual, we see it in the physical. So I, would, I don't want to talk too much and steal Scott's thunder about how we're going to do that. So I'm going to hand it over to him to speak a little bit more on how we can be more than conquerors on the battlefield. Morning. So for those of you who don't know me, my name is Scott. I'm Carling's worst half. And uh, so... And also, before I get started, I want to tell all the youth parents that I promise you, despite what you saw in that video, we do not torture your children, okay? Just so you know that. Yeah. It looks bad. So, uh, like Carling was saying, this life that we live is so much more than what we see. Uh, we just talked about the, the spiritual battle that we face. And even though we don't physically see it, it's present there, okay? The, the, the war in which we wage is, is against the evil spirits, okay? It's not uh, the, the physical things that, that you and I see. And I want to tell you that that we have so much power and authority in, in Jesus' name to conquer those, those, those spirits. And I want to shed some light on that and show you exactly what that means, uh, if that's all right with you guys. So first, we are called to resist the devil. Good place to start. First Peter 5.9 tells us, resist him steadfast in the faith. What does that word steadfast mean? If you break that down, it means that we need to be unwavering. We have to be unhesitating. We have to be relentless and continuous. It means never-ending continuously uh, fighting against the devil, praying against the devil in faith. See, the devil's our enemy in life, okay? We all know that. John 10.10 says that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. On the flip side of that, though, there's a promise in Luke 10.19. It says, it declares that we have all authority and power over the enemy. All authority and power over the enemy. Okay, that's a pretty powerful statement to me. However, so often you and I tend to not use that power. Okay, sometimes we, we think that's a nice verse and we say it, but sometimes we never walk in that. So I want to tell you that we can walk in that, and I want to show you how we can walk in that. Now in 1 Peter, that verse that says, resist him steadfast in the faith, it doesn't say that we are to pray and ask God to come and remove the temptation, does it? It doesn't say we're supposed to pray and ask God to remove the tempter. It says that we are to resist the devil. We are to directly and boldly resist the devil, steadfast in the faith. Okay, God gave man authority and power over the devil. I want to show you a couple examples in the Bible of what this looks like, and we're going to start with Jesus, because really, we're supposed to live like Jesus and love like Jesus. So, what better place to look than, than uh, an example from Jesus? So, Luke chapter 4, Jesus is led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, 
and he undergoes a period of temptation for 40 days. Okay, that's a lot of temptation for 40 days. The first example we see is uh, the devil tries to tempt Jesus and say, turn these stones into a loaf of bread. Okay, you must be hungry. So watch how Jesus responds here. He says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now there's a few key takeaways I want to show you. This. First, Jesus deals with the temptation swiftly. He doesn't sit and think on it for any period of time. He doesn't wait and wonder, oh, is this sin? Is this not sin? How far can I go before I cross this sin line? Okay, he deals with it immediately. Okay, if it were me, I'd be thinking, man, how do I turn those stones into cinnamon buns? Because I'm hungry. Okay? <laughs> now, so, so next, you see that Jesus spoke directly to the devil. Okay? You don't see Jesus asking, oh God, Father, please remove this temptation, remove the tempter. No, Jesus deals directly to the devil. He speaks directly to the devil. And we are to follow that example. We are to be bold and resist him directly, you and I, okay? <clears throat> don't give the devil a chance. We need to speak directly to the, to the spirits that you feel that you are oppressed by, whether it be a spirit of anxiety Okay, we feel oppressed by a spirit of depression or sickness, whatever it is. Okay, we have that power to overcome that. We are to be more than conquerors. But you see, he's waiting for you to pick up the sword. He's waiting for you to fight, okay? We see in Luke 4 that Jesus speaks the written word of God. He says, it is written. It is written. He quotes scripture. Now, why is this so important? Well, in Ephesians 6, 17, we're told to take the sword of the Spirit which is the word of God, okay? We're literally to stab the enemy with the word of God. It's a sword. That's what you do with a sword. You stab somebody, right? We are to stab the enemy with the word of God. And we see this the next time that uh, the devil tries to tempt Jesus. He says, get behind me, Satan. Back off. Go away. Leave me alone. He's stabbing the enemy with the word of God. This is exactly what it looks like to follow the instructions that we find in James 4, verse 7. And it says, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. If you get one thing out of this whole message, these few words, this verse has to be it. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Okay? You need to just capture these words, claim these words. You need to pray these words, speak these words over your life. Because it's so simple. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Okay? James doesn't say resist the devil, and he might flee from you. Oh, he'll sometimes flee from you. No, it says he will flee from you. Okay, we need to grab a hold of that and run with that. See, James, uh, the devil hates bold Christians. Okay, I'll be honest, the devil hates bold Christians. And why? Because as bold Christians, when we pray, we speak the word of God. We declare the word of God. And what did I just say that that's doing? That's literally stabbing the enemy. Of course the devil hates that. If I were to walk up to somebody every day and they literally stab me in the chest, well, I'm not going to go talk to that person every day. I'm going to run away. I'm going to flee, right? That's just crazy. So, yes, the devil hates bold Christians. You see, when the devil looks at you, he doesn't see you. Okay? He sees Jesus Christ within you. He sees the body of Christ. You and I are the body of Christ. Okay? Luke chapter 10, verse 20 says, The spirits are subject to you. The spirits are under your control. You see, we have this authority in Jesus, our Savior, to defeat the enemy. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 to 11, it says, 
At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hello! Yeah. Thank you. See, we have this power on our side, but, but you see, the enemy is so persistent. We need to be even more persistent than the, than the enemy. You see, this day and age, people can be so impatient and so focused on the quick fix. And I apologize because that's my generation. Uh, but we need to be even more persistent than the enemy, okay? It's not just a, okay, let's pray this prayer once and hope that everything's good and dandy. Sometimes we need to be more persistent than just that. That's when we need to pursue with faith and cry out to God. And that's the next point I want to make, that we are called to have persistent, faith-filled prayer life. And there's an amazing quote by Lisa Bevere, and she puts it this way. She says, God invites us to pray in such a way that it scares what is scared inside of us. If you are not praying the type of prayers that scare you, your prayers are certainly not frightening the enemy. Ooh, that's good. See, we need to be bold in our prayers and continuously seek God because there's no other way than the power of Jesus, right? He wants to help you. He wants to see you succeed. John 16, 23 says, Most assuredly I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. And we're also told in James 5, 16 that the earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man makes tremendous power available. What does earnest, heartfelt, and continued prayer mean to you? Is it that kind of pray once and done? Or is it that relentless, continued, unwavering prayer that I talked about earlier? See, God is looking for us to confidently, passionately approach him with our requests. He literally asks us to, to come boldly to the throne of grace with our requests. This means that your heart, your mind, your soul, and your body are determined to receive And you act accordingly because you're confident that you're acting in God's will and you refuse to take no for an answer. Luke chapter 11 verses 9 to 10 says, Ask and keep on asking and it shall be given you. Seek and keep on seeking and you shall find. Knock and keep on knocking and the door shall be opened to you. For everyone who asks and keeps on asking receives. And he who seeks and keeps on seeking finds. And to him who knocks and keeps knocking, the door shall be opened. So ask and keep on asking, knock and keep on knocking, and you'll receive and keep on receiving. Right? We must never give up praying for what we believe in. James talks about approaching the Lord and how he responds to our faith. See, when we come to God, we must do it in faith with no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Wow! Will not receive anything from the Lord. See, God responds to our faith and nothing else. Hebrews 11, chapter 6 says, no one can please God without faith. Wow. Brothers and sisters of Christ, grab a hold of your faith. Live in it. How can we expect to overcome and to live as conquerors, as Christ has called us to, if we don't even have an understanding of the faith that God has called us and designed us to live by? Only when we have that faith can you harness the power of the Holy Spirit that Christ has called us to live by. Only then can you do these greater things that call us, Christ has called us to live by. And only then can we live as more than conquerors. Amen. Amen. That's the next point I want to make, that we need to stand unwavering in our faith and exercise the authority that we have, the authority that God has given us. We can build our faith by holding fast to the promises of God. 
In Mark chapter 4, verses 35 to 41, we see how Jesus calms the storms on the sea. See, following a long day of ministry, Jesus felt led by the Holy Spirit to cross the sea and minister to a demon-possessed man. So him and the disciples, they got all on the boat and they went for a little stroll. And they got about halfway across the sea and a crazy storm rose, okay? Winds were howling and waves were crashing up on the side of the boat and Jesus was taking a little nap. And the disciples, they panicked, they freaked. And they said, Jesus, they woke him up and they shook him and said, don't you care that we're about to die? They saw no chance of surviving the storm that they were in, the storm that they were faced with. Now, while this was going on, do you think that the Holy Spirit and God the Father in heaven were freaking out, wondering, oh, what are we going to do? I never saw this storm coming. This is crazy. What are we doing? No, because the Holy Spirit knows the end from the beginning, and God the Father never leads us into a storm that he doesn't give us the power and authority to get out of. Amen? See, Jesus awoke and said, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Ouch. See, prior to leaving the shore, Jesus said, let's cross to the other side. He never said, hey guys, let's go halfway across the sea and sink to the bottom, right? (laughs) You see, God knew the storm would arise. He led them into it but he gave them the power and authority to get the disciples out of it. This is the key. We have the power to overcome whatever is thrown at us. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 14 says, Now thanks be to God who sometimes leads us in triumph over Christ. (laughs) That verse says, Now thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ. Always leads us in triumph over Christ. Always. Jesus was triumphant over the storms because... He stood on the promise that they would get to the other side. He spoke directly to the storm. Jesus doesn't call on God and and ask him to come and calm the storm. He speaks directly to the storm. He gets on the side of that boat and says, you waves will stop, you wind will cease. He speaks directly to the storm. And we're supposed to follow in that same authority. He knew his own authority. He knew he was equipped by God when he stepped into that authority and was able to speak in confidence and in faith to that storm to get it to come. That storm had to obey him. It had to obey the word of Jesus. And God equips us the same way. He says that we are to rule in life. We are to be more than conquerors. We are to do these things and many others, as Jesus did. I heard a great analogy once about understanding our authority and and the power that we have uh, within that in our walk. I want you to imagine for a second um, an American soldier, U.S. soldier over in Iraq, okay? And he's, he's got all the gear. He's got his equipment, he's got a rifle, he's got a pistol and grenades and knife and stuff. And there's an Iraqi soldier over there and he's hiding behind a big boulder, okay? He's, he's pinned down, they're firing all around him, bullets flying, okay? And he's just sitting there, just sitting there. He's scared, he doesn't know what to do. So he reaches for his, his cell phone and he gets a hold of, somehow, the White House. He calls the President of the United States, who is the Commander-in-Chief of the American Air, uh, all the military forces, right? And so on this phone, he says, Mr. President, Mr. President, come help me. I'm pinned down by the enemy. I can't, I I need you to come and kill the enemy for me. Sounds kind of silly, doesn't it? What do you think the president would say? Yeah. He'd say, son, I have given you all the best training that you could ever receive. I have given you every weapon available, the best weaponry that the world has ever seen. Now get up and fight that enemy under my name and my authority. 
Yes? See, so often, sometimes we're like, we're like that soldier. See, we're pinned down and all the fiery darts of the, of the evil one are, are flying over our heads. Well, guess what? Colossians 2.15 says, God has disarmed the powers and authorities and made a public spectacle of them. Woohoo! Yeah, he is embarrassing, yeah? <laughs> Triumphing over them by the cross. See, you've been armed with a sword and the enemy has none. He's been completely disarmed by Jesus. You hold the weapon. Not only that, but you've been given all the power and authority vested in the name of Jesus. We're told that every knee must bow to his name and every tongue must confess his lordship. Everyone. You've been given the armor of God, so please use it. Ephesians 6, 14 to 18 lists them. It says the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith, the girdle of truth, and on our feet the gospel of peace. The word says that your shield will quench not some, but every fiery dart of the evil one. God's also told us in Isaiah that no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Every tongue which rises against you in judgment, you shall condemn. This is the heritage of the servant of the Lord. You shall condemn. You. This is the heritage of the servant of the Lord. Well, that word heritage, it literally means our inheritance. Okay, as co-heirs with Christ, this is our inheritance. God specifically says that you are to conquer. You are to fight. You are to fend off. You are to speak up. You are to defend. And you are to conquer in Jesus' name. Has anyone ever watched any of the Rocky movies? 1 through 17, yeah. Yes, Joe, I'm old enough to have seen the Rocky movies. So anytime I'm watching that, I'll be sitting in the living room and, you know, Rocky's fighting Mr. T and, and or the big Russian whatever, and whatever. Uh, and I'm just sitting there and I'm, you know, I start getting a little antsy. I start twitching a little bit. And I make a big fist. Rocky's pinned up against the corner. He's back up against the ropes. And I just start twitching. I just, oh, like, like as if I want to fight the enemy, right? I'm, I'm ready to fight. I want to hit Mr. T in the face. You see, Jesus, God in heaven, I feel like he is sitting in heaven watching his 200-inch screen TV, and he's seeing you fighting against the enemy. He sees you pinned up against those ropes, okay? But the story of the, of the movie, it's not Rocky, okay? The movie is Christine. The movie is Luke. The movie is Damon, okay? He's sitting there, and he's doing the same thing. He's twitching. He's ready to go. He sees you up against the ropes, and he's ready. He wants you to throw that punch. He's encouraging. Go throw that punch, okay? He wants you to fight the enemy. He knows that you can be victorious in Christ. If you just take up your sword, or if you punch a devil in the face, okay? We're not a violent church, but... Oh. Anyone who knows me knows that I'm a big football fan, yes? So I'm going to try and explain this analogy as best I can. So... I want you to imagine for a second the backup quarterback, okay? We're going to call him Joel Menard, okay? Okay, so, so this backup quarterback, he's not the one playing, right? He's on the sidelines. He's got all the equipment. He's wearing everything he needs to wear. He's received all the training, gone through all the practices. What's he doing on the sidelines? Well, he's holding the clipboard in one hand and the playbook in the other. He knows that playbook inside, outside, and backwards, but he doesn't put it into use. Okay, he's what we call a second string player. 
the first string player is the one on the field scoring all the touchdowns, doing all the stuff. Has anyone ever felt like they're a second string player? Like they're sitting on the sidelines. They know the playbook. They know the Bible inside, outside, backwards. But sometimes they, they hesitate in using that authority. Well, let me tell you something. God has not called any one of us to be second string players. Amen? He wants us on the field. He has called us to be first string players. Let me be your coach. Get off the bench and go score a touchdown for Jesus. Amen? Yeah. Now, in order to do this, I want to bring you to my last point. So this is something I've touched on, but I, I feel like it's, it's missed too easily. And so many of us understand the need to pray to God through the trials that, that we go through, but, but we're also to speak directly to the strongholds, those spirits that we feel that we're being oppressed by. Okay, we're to speak to the mountains in our life. Mark chapter 11, verses 22 to 24 says, So Jesus answered and said to them, Have faith in God. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Okay, who says these words? Jesus, yes. Jesus says these words. Okay, thank you. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't come up with these, okay? They're not, they're not a, a pastor didn't come up with these, okay? These are literally words written in red, okay? These are Jesus' words. I want you to remember that, okay? Those are Jesus' words. Now, did Jesus say that we are to ask God and pray to him to come and move that mountain for us? Based on this verse and some of the others we looked at? No. It says that we are to pray and directly move those mountains. So I want to look at this verse in context. So Jesus, he was looking for fruit from a fig tree and found that there were only leaves in it. It kind of sucks. So he spoke directly to the tree and he says, no one is going to eat fruit from you ever again. In verse 14. Then the next day, Jesus and the disciples were walking on by and Peter says, Master, look, that fig tree which you doomed has withered away. Okay, it had turned into a, a bunch of branches and a, a dry trunk. Okay. Now, I want to take you to Matthew 21, 21. Same story paints a better picture. It says, Assuredly, this is Jesus again. Assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. Are you guys seeing this? This is Jesus, okay? This is Jesus saying these words. Words written in red. Just as I spoke to that storm and commanded it to be still, and it did, just as I spoke to the fig tree and commanded it to die, and it, and it did, so will my children, so will you. We need to speak with authority, the authority of being one with Christ, of being heirs with Christ. We're literally co-heirs with Christ, of conquering life with Christ. Psalm 8, 5 to 6 says, For you made him only a little lower than God. You crowned him with glory and honor. You put him in charge of everything you made, giving him authority over all things. So when he's talking about him in this, literally means he's talking about uh, creation. He's talking about mankind. He's talking about you and I. So with that in mind, I want to read this verse again if I can. For you made us only a little lower than God. You crowned us with glory and honor. You put us in charge of everything, giving us authority over all things. Through Christ, we are to bring 
life as it is in heaven to earth. And our prayer life needs to resemble that. Let me ask you, is there any depression in heaven? Is there any sickness, any, any stress, any anxiety in heaven? Listen, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Christ's purpose is to give life in all its fullness. Have you ever seen anxiety, stress, or fear in the term all its fullness? No. See, the storms in your life are not from God. The storms in your life are caused by that thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. We need to stand up and command it to stop. And if you need to, write it out. This week, grab a notepad, write out the things that are going to stop in Jesus' name. Okay? We're not going to see one more day of depression. We're not going to see one more hour of stress, one more minute of anxiety. Okay? Write those things out. Write some of the verses out that, that I talked about and pray those verses. Okay? And we're going to command our circumstances to change and command when that's going to start. Right now, I will not suffer one more minute of depression. In Jesus' name. Okay, be bold with it. Remember, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Grab a hold of that verse. He will flee from you. He has to. You know what works best? Yelling and screaming at the devil. <laughs> Bring it on. We're going to fight the devil and we're going to yell and scream at him. If you have to, go to the middle of nowhere. Go find a field, a forest, whatever. And just scream at the top of your lungs. Just give it to him. Just yell at the devil. Okay, don't suggest doing this in Walmart. You might get kicked out. Okay, kicking and screaming. Okay, yell and scream at the devil. Tell him where to go. You need to speak directly to that spirit of oppression, that, uh, that spirit that's, that's oppressing you over your life in the name of Jesus. Because the spirits are subject to the name of Jesus. We know that. They must obey. They have to obey. Then give thanks to God because you believe that, that what you have prayed has come true. In faith, give thanks to God because you know that those words spoken are, are true. And then give thanks to God because of the promises that we have in him. And give thanks to God because he is all-powerful. See, we need to operate in faith, believing in the very word that God gave us, the word that will carry us to victory, that word that will cause us to be more than conquerors in Jesus' name. Now this morning, if, if there's any of you that, that feel like you're going through that, you you're, feel like you're... You're just up against a mountain that just won't move. Or you're up against a storm that just won't break. Whatever it is. If you feel that way, just I want to challenge you this week to, to write these things out. Write these verses out. Speak these verses. Be bold with them. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Okay? Just keep saying that. Keep saying that. And then the Holy Spirit will work within you. Okay? I want you to write out all these things. And I promise you God will move in your life. If you have faith and are unwavering, if you're persistent and relentless in your faith, okay? And if you need someone to pray with you this morning, please, in faith, take a step and come out and come talk to us. Carly and I will be available. Cameron will be available. Sandra, whoever. We're going to be up here. We're going to have a little music going probably. And I just, if you feel like you need something broken in your life, you need uh, just a storm broken in your life, we're going, to, we're, we're going to pray it out and we're going to cast out those demons in the name of Jesus this morning, okay? If there's anybody that, that needs that, that extra oomph, okay? If you need prayer, we're going to lay hands on you. We're going to pray for you. And other than that, I we're going to officially dismiss the service, but I, I just... Hmm? Yeah, sure. So, uh, yeah, I'll let Cameron share. I just want to share one thing. That's awesome. 
phone. Stay up here, guys. The, the whole time that they were sharing, um, speaking of football analogies, I love football too, and I was thinking of my favorite football movie, Remember the Titans. Come on. Remember Petey? Remember? My favorite character in the whole movie is Petey. And he was the most... He was the saddest guy in that movie. They got mad at him because he couldn't hold on to the ball. So every time he was tackled, he kept fumbling the ball. And finally, in the, in the winning game, he held on to that ball. And I can hear the coach from the side, hold on to that ball, Petey! And he did. He holds it up. And I'll tell you something. Something hit me as I was thinking about analogy. Because I know there's many of us in our culture right now that are going through a, a tough time. And we do feel some days where the enemy's winning. And he shouldn't be. Right? But have you ever seen a football game where the running back stops as he picks up the ball and he stops as soon as he grabs it and looks at everyone and says, won't you just stay away from me? Go away. Don't tackle me. I don't like how mean you're being to me. No, we don't do that. Why? Because the enemy recognizes that you're carrying something that has great value. The call of God on your life has great value, so the enemy wants to take it from you. The enemy wants to take it from you. I want, I want you to know this morning, if you're going through a battle right now, it's because the enemy wants to grab and intercept what God has personally given to you. But you need to hold on to it for dear life. You need, I'm looking around this room, I'm going, you need to hold on to it for dear life. Because it is of great value and of great worth. The quarterback is handing it off to you because he trusts you to carry the call of God on your life without any hesitation or any concern about what the opposing team, the enemy, is trying to do in your life. Amen. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. Let's just stand together.